Welcome back to Coding with Holger. Today I will be joined by Milena Lolly and we will talk about UI UX designing. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, hi, hi Milena. I can't even speak anymore. Hi, how are you doing? Hi, I'm great. How are you doing? Thanks uh, not for too bad holding up strong. <laughs> Sorry, come again. Thank you for inviting me over to your podcast. Thank you for taking the time, definitely. So, Milena, um, so we know each other for a bit now, but if you could introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, sure. Um, so, my name is Milena Lolli, and I am a product designer. Um, I've been doing this for quite some time now. Um, I'm originally from Italy, and my transition was... Um, uh, after graduating in computer science, I've decided to go and just explore more the design field. So I moved to London and I just started as a junior 10 years ago. So everything has been uh, uh, an amazing journey and I've discovered a lot. I've learned a lot about myself, a lot about the design field. And it's been just really great learning curve uh, in general. Um, I've worked with some amazing talent that actually... Uh, passed on to me their knowledge and so on. So I tried to do my best with, with people who were also learning throughout their career while meeting me. So, you know, it's it's been amazing. Um, and yeah, here I am now talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, I mean, we, we met indirectly, right? You yeah. worked on a project I left before. I think I was really close to you joining, right? Uh, I, I think so, yeah. Um, well... Let's say, let's put it like that. The the our colleagues in common actually put us in touch through this yes. WhatsApp group that we've been keeping alive <laughs> since then. And yep. um, I'm actually surprised. Even the project has just finished for me and you now. We're still part of that group, and yeah, that's how everything started. We all started talking about daily routine, task issues, struggles, or happy moments and achievements, and so on. And yeah, that's how literally we got in touch and we decided to kind of start collaborating on various different things, projects, and also now this podcast is a brilliant idea. So I'm actually excited to be here right now. <laughs> awesome. It's so great to yeah. have you on. Yeah. Uh, t take this, uh, non-believers for remote work. This is socializing for you. Um, it's so true. It's, so true. Yeah, it is. It's like, um, yeah, we, we still speak to each other, not only work related. Um, I really, really love you guys. Uh, it's always great to see when you, when you post things, uh, I love your responses to my posts and that you actually, uh, live with my English. Um, but yeah, no, fine. Um, so Your you English said, great. I mean, <laughs> thank you. you. I wasn't fishing for compliments. <laughs> you, you, of course you are. Every time you have an input about something it's definitely, it's, it's got like a, a very meaningful core and, and just the way you kind of explain things that makes really, really good sense. And it's very logical. And that's why I like talking to you, Holger. <laughs> so thank, thank you, you so for much. In a, in a very remote <laughs> country from my country right now, we're all like locked away but it's oh yeah 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 you're, you're right so so i i found my way back to germany you are still in the uk aren't you yeah 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 um yeah. well right now in london and um I've, I've been here for 10 years but definitely yeah. uh things are um so far and so close at the same time since we are mm. just uh really kind of working from home and the whole topic is just about trying to get on with the remote working and, yeah. and communicating at the same time and trying to feel close to one another and also getting projects moving forward, which um, 
personally don't have any struggle with that to be honest but some people mm. do yeah. yeah it's it's some kind of a personal trait um so you touched on a lot of things already in your brilliant introduction let's oh. let's try to 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 dig into some of the um you said that you got after your degree in computer science mm -hmm. you got more into the design field and um so this whole episode is about UX, UI, what, what, what it is, what kind of tooling you use and all this. So um, to start from, from the very beginning, for you, um, what is UX, what is UI design? Where do you see um, the, or do you see any kind of borders between these fields? This is a question that a lot of people ask and um... I've, I really like see posts around a lot and, and people trying to express it the best way they think and they can. Uh, for me, for me, it's like if we imagine this abstract, uh, abstract topic of, um, you know, you want to build a house and how would you start doing that? And what are the first thing that you start looking? You don't just um, start building a house and already picking up the colors of the walls and, and, and the furnitures already that you want to put inside. So in terms of design and UX design, it's, it's um, a really, it's a whole journey of like creation of, of the initiation of something. So uh, whether it's a product or a future or in general, just anything that has to do with the creation of, of a digital experience for, for a user. So for me starts with um, having to investigate and knowing w what, where and what we are uh, trying to get done. And, and that just begins with, um, you know, a, a bit of like researching uh, our territory, where are we standing? What do we want to achieve with that? There's, there's a few different questions that usually I ask myself when I start doing a little bit of research. I am not a researcher by trade, by the way. Just I want to <laughs> make this clear because I know some researchers would jump and they would probably uh, <laughs> slay me into pieces. But um, definitely part of, part of my work is to do a little bit of research and trying to understand what is the ground that I'm trying to create this product on. And once I once I've done all that, um, obviously I can then move forward and understand um, what are the next steps. Things like trying to discover, um, you know, uh, what what are the what are the journeys, what are the needs for the users, what problems we're trying to solve, and and that's it. So like it's it's much more in depth and complicated. But in in terms of um, we're in terms of creating this product is also we're trying to understand what problems we're trying to solve for the phone end user and and what value does it actually bring in every every person's life or in terms of the business structure as well so so that's it you do all that kind of investigating analysis all that discovery phase that you gather all this information then you start kind of uh, mocking down some some user journeys mapping the idea out and creating some uh, wireframes and and then after that you kind of create a little bit more like low fidelity high fidelity mockups and and then eventually well i'm cutting out from the topic the various back and forward conversations with stakeholders <laughs> as you know those kind of they could be extensive and and very long yeah. um and and yeah, you just kind of jump into the design in the year in the user interface design, creating the libraries and and like trying to think what it what the interaction and what is it gonna look like, and 
you know, then you conduct some user testing based on those visuals or you can ask, also do your user testings even before when you kind of sketch some ideas, just something like fresh out of the oven <laughs> situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then you kind of review your user testings and you bring it back to your, um, obviously always have to communicate with your stakeholders. And even if you don't have stakeholders and you are the stakeholder, because it could be like if you yeah. and I are sit down, sitting down to create an app, we, we have to kind of... Um, understand where we are aiming to go Um, and yeah so it's it's everything is like a small little part of a journey and and if you kind of slice that every single little part is so fundamental and so connected with the one that is coming after that if you break it apart you you could fail seriously Mm -hmm. you you could um, I've worked on so many projects where um, people think that you know, they'll hire me as a UX designer, but they would kind of say, oh, can you just quickly sketch that and then <laughs> do the final, some UIs, yeah. and then we show it to the client. And I'm, and I'm like, we, what, how, I, I, how do I just assume that's great? Like, how do I assume this is going to work? Okay, well, I can do the UI stuff. It's fine. It's fun. But we don't know. It's a very abstract thing in the moment. You have to have the mm-hmm. fundamentals. Like, as I said earlier, it's almost like you're building a house. And you have to build the fundamentals first before you start creating all the, um, you know, aesthetical part and the way the way you dress the house, the way you looks, the way the way it performs, right? So, so yeah, I, I I don't know if that's a great explanation of what is UX UI. Uh, where I draw I draw the line. I don't draw the line very much personally. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's like systematic tasks one after another to lead towards a result. Obviously. For me, without the UX part, I can't get to do the UI part. But then I have been a designer where I've been contracted to companies to really just jump and just do from the UI part onwards, which obviously I I don't find it difficult, but um, I have to have some sort of basis to start with. Um, yeah, okay. So, so it's like a journey. Um, some yeah. uh, some some people who have hired me before they've they've told me I prefer having a UX plus UI designer. So like two people in one, um, mm. and everybody does. But I find it difficult. Um, not difficult. That's probably the worst word to say here. I I I think it's confusing to get one person that just does the UX and one person that just does the UI because then uh-huh. you have other issues to consider as a manager, as a hiring manager, you have to consider these people have to work together. They have to um they have to be able to communicate perfectly what one person is thinking to the other person, right? Mm-hmm. It has to be almost like they're one person. And it's very often it doesn't happen. Um, if you know what I mean, like it's, it's not only the struggle of like trying to, uh, highlight what are the issues with the product, where the product is trying to go to, but you're, you're literally like segmenting it within different tasks within that job with people. And Mm. that could be an issue for me personally. Um, I have been, I have been assigned to projects where I had to be just the UX person or just the UI person and I had to collaborate, which is fine. It's it's fine. It's totally fine. But sometimes there is a misunderstandings about the concept of um, it. It's not just straightforward of, of something like, "Hey, these are the wireframes that I sketched for you. Can you just make them pretty?" 
it's never like that. It's never that case. You have to, I think as a UI, UI designer, you do need to be kind of involved in the process. You do need to understand what are the interactions. So you can design a better UI experience. See, yeah. everything is so connected. You can't just like, this is why I think a, uh, hiring managers are mistaking is to kind of partition this project into two designers rather than getting one that kind of does the UX and the UI. But then again, the issue is on the other side, you don't always have people that do both. So you see, this is kind of balancing up issues with <laughs> lack of okay. the people that do that and 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 managers mis misunderstanding how actually should be done. Uh, in this is just my own personal perspective, by the way, and and I, I yeah, don't absolutely. I don't mean this is like a universal law. <laughs> no, no, no worries. It's it's actually uh, this is what I love about these these chats is uh, I I and hopefully all of us get a a nice view and um, especially uh, if if you find these metaphors um, to describe where where to start where you go to how you see it mm -hmm. yourself it usually is easier to understand than reading a textbook. Um, so you you essentially you you answered one of one of the follow up questions <laughs> I had in mind anyway. So I tend um, to do things like that. Sorry. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Expand further. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. No, uh, but yes, do. But uh, I think you did a really good job on on um, explaining why or where you see the the benefits of of being a one-person UX UI expert. Um, mm -hmm. You touched on a couple of terms I heard before and I had in my hands before, but I'm not sure everyone did who's listening in. Uh -huh. um, so you mentioned wireframes uh, uh, and mockups. Yeah. Um, and this is this is interesting. I always wanted to hear a well, semi-official or well, safe coming from a professional. Uh, where where do you see the differences? What is a wireframe? What is a mockup? Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, well, people could have different uh, interpretation of that, but my yeah, personal yeah. interpretation is that well, once you've done all like discovery researches and you actually finally have an idea of how this could be functioning, uh, you sit down and you either sketch something on a whiteboard or on a piece mm -hmm. of paper. A wireframe is like a sketch uh, and then you can uh, kind of define how in-depth that wireframe should be functioning. So you can either have it on paper and it's kind of a quick thing, or you can actually sit down and use a wireframing tool. Um, I personally use Sketch pretty much for everything. Um, mm -hmm. um, you know, I create my little symbols and I just create like wireframes in general, kind of in a quick way. But um, yeah, so that's what a wireframe is. You can actually prototype a wireframe. Um, you can do a lot with it. You can uh, create semi, semi low fidelity, high fidelity. But on a mockup, in my in my eyes, a mockup is kind of um, more of towards like the visual side. Personally, uh, you mm -hmm. mock up you mock up this product within a device. You you want to pitch it to the client. You do a ah. mock up. You know you want to present something. You want the client mm -hmm. to love it. So you sit down and you create the whole uh, rationale, the whole story behind it. You mock it up. You you obviously kind of tell them this is just a mock up. This is just a, 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 an idea in 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 a nutshell. But at, but at the same time, you want it to kind of look closer to what you're trying to um, portray. The problem is that sometimes the, the your customer, your clients, uh, your stakeholders, they're not they're not uh, uh, very 
they're, what I mean is they're not very visual. So if you create, if you bring the wireframes and you kind of explain the process, you have to be careful how you do it. You have to kind of really convince them that this is just a prototype of a wireframe. Uh, because people tend to start imagining and, and kind of get creative with, with their ideas. And this is where it could be a little bit of a breaking point in my eyes. That's why mock-up is really good. If you ever go to your stakeholder, your client, um, quickly do a mock-up. Uh, it doesn't need to be a final version. It doesn't need to be uh, looking super amazing. It just has to push the idea out there to make them understand where you're standing and where you're trying to go to. But definitely it's, it's important for the rationale of the presentation. This is what I call mock-up in, in my mm -hmm. eyes. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Um, it cleared up some things in my mind, <laughs> at least. <laughs> it uh, triggered something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts to make sense, you know. And then you used something I just learned. That it mm. feels like weeks ago, but um, yeah. it must be around for a bit longer. But when you say UI library, yeah. Um, what is a UI library in the sense of a UX UI design world or in your world? Uh -huh. Well, so. A UI library is like, um, I'm trying to put it in like simple terms. <laughs> it, it's a library, library, as you know. Um, if you, as a designer, you sit down and you want to design something fast, then you, you already have created an identity or you create it as you go. So the, ident the identity of like the brand of, of this product, um, it's really nicely kind of partitions uh, into smaller pieces, small, smaller components that sit together and they work together when you kind of put them back together, if you know what I mean. So you mm -hmm. kind of have a navigation bar, you have um, your kind of like hero, you have um, you have your buttons and everything that is kind of perfectly designed in, in like um, precisely designed, I mean, uh, in the mm -hmm. right colors and the right size. And all that library is so easy for you as a designer to kind of pick and drag and drop and then kind of create your screens. That's that's kind of it, really. It's It serves almost as a, as you would call it like ages ago, we used to call it a style guide. But now we are calling it <sighs> a design library because in this library you have components. These components are like... Um, one one component is built with different little small little things. Um, sorry, someone is having a phone call right here. <laughs> no worries, that's life. And yeah, uh, sorry, I had to kind of <laughs> show it. Like, go on, please go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, so this is like, this is the library that one designer needs in order to build their screens, in order to kind of make the, the work and the, the, the design work faster mm -hmm. and, and then to mm -hmm. keep things together in terms of identity and for whoever actually may come after. Um, it's, it's important to also know that when you work on a project, you're leaving a legacy behind you because someone else is going to follow up and pick up your work and you don't want them to think that you're a trash designer. You know, you want things to be nicely done, put together and like nicely mm. aligned, everything like to fit together. When, whenever you kind of, for example, let's let's say, for example, you're bringing, um, you're creating a mobile screen of, I don't know, food or you're trying to create an app to order food or something, food delivery yep. app. How are you going to do that? You're going to kind of take the different small pieces of components and drag and drop them and 
obviously based on a wireframe or based on some sort of like user journey that you've created before. So yeah, your your like user um um sorry, your your library is actually a really really handy tool. It speeds your work. It makes things so much more easier to kind of assemble together. And yeah, and it, you can iterate it with time, but it's nice to have it there so you can kind of, it's it's almost like every day you wake up, you go to work, you want to find the right clothes. So you go, you open your wardrobe, you browse through things that you, you know, however you feel. Those are the, the defined, specified things uh, as a uh, work attire. So you take and you, you just wear it. So it's kind of like that for, for a for a product your library is your clothes <laughs> is there when you, when you say um that you you see this as part of showing that you are a proper designer is there some kind of standard behind it so is there like uh, you always put it in a certain format you always use the same tooling or something like this is or is this just something where you say okay uh, this is where i or, or this is mm -hmm. where the ui library is kept use it or die you can uh so it it really depends how um how the designer is feeling more comfortable it's yeah. there's no specific universal rule but there are preferred rules so you have uh, ah. so preferred tools not rules also rules i guess but um so you <laughs> <laughs> um so i personally use sketch and then i use craft craft is a, a really good tool to kind of keep my design library together but then again mm. that's just that's not even coded that's just within your 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 um, sketch tool but some people prefer to have it coded so that's when you kind of you either have some coding skills experience so you kind of create mm -hmm. whatever you design you make it functioning and you just copy and paste the code every time you need to do a mock-up which is better because then what is the the, the good outcome out of that is that whenever you present a work you make a quick mock-up by like assembling together these pieces of codes and it's an interactive immediately. But um, whenever you, um, you know, you have to kind of bear that in mind, how much time you've got, the live libraries usually are obviously either require front-end developer or you do it as a designer if you're capable, but it takes longer. Mm -hmm. It takes longer than just uh, kind of, you know, I'm going to just put this color in this shape and I'm going to uh, create a little symbol and save it. It just requires slightly, slightly a little bit more time. But there are different different tools that people like using. But yeah, those are my personal ones. And nice, nice. I have nice. been in situations where my clients would be, we want to create a design library. Can you do it? And I'll be the first question will be like, sure, how long time have you got? Because <laughs> yeah. that requires some time. It's it's nothing that you wake up in the morning and you just go, hey, uh, this is the design library. There you go. It's so many elements that you can use. I mean, um, <laughs> if you do that, please give me a ring and tell me how. <laughs> yeah, but it yeah, does exactly. take time. Yeah. Interesting. Um, mm. uh, this was was a great segue actually into the the field of tooling. So what, what you already mentioned sketch and craft, I think. Yeah. What is the tooling you are aware of? Who you like? What what is this kind of semi standard? I know back uh, like when I started in in web agencies, um, everyone was using um, Adobe. I yeah, can't yeah. remember which one it was for designing um for no not photoshop um was it photoshop i can't remember illustrator? Anyway, so, so, 
Which one were you using? I mean, yeah. trust me, I have uh, throughout my career as a designer, I, I've I've been asked some really weird, uh, depending on the contracts, but I've had some contracts <laughs> where people made me use InDesign to create uh, like layouts for web pages. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you can't even contest that because you're paid and you're, um, you're the designer that needs to get the job done. And yeah, so there... It, Right now in 2020, I can actually definitely scrap that and say nobody's, I'm pretty sure nobody's using InDesign anymore, which was an awful thing to do in, in the past, <laughs> yeah. but we didn't have any good tools back then. You could either have Illustrator, which is a great tool for a lot of illustration, but back then a lot of people were trying to find their way on how to create user interfaces. I've worked in companies like even, let me think, like even two and a half years ago, I've worked for this agency that was a data visualization company. Um, and a lot of the designers were still using Photoshop and that was really, really killing me inside because it was taking me ages. I'm a person that has been using sketch for many years now, and Mm -hmm. I find it just super fluidly and super fast and you can do things so quick. If you, if you're doing it the right way, you can actually speed your project in, in a enormous way, but yeah, so Right now, you can either use Sketch. Uh, there are some online tools. You have Figma as well. Figma is like an interactive, um, kind of an interactive tool that helps you create or test with people online. You have Framer, which is also kind of a good one, but that's kind of more for for uh, micro animations and just like act, act interactive prototypes. Um, Adobe has some cool tools as well. Like they're trying to stay on top of the, the <laughs> current market. Of course, yeah. they have uh, UXD, I think it's called. I don't personally use it, um, but uh, I've tried it. The in- user interface is not too far off from what Sketch has to offer. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, it's it's like I think every every kind of creative. Uh, Every creative tool is right now trying to kind of keep up with, with the competitors. So they're trying to bring out the best they can. Um, yeah, it's it's called XD. Sorry, not UXD. It's called XD, um, Adobe XD, which is... Ah, yeah. I think you heard about this one, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a... It's, it's just part of the Adobe Creative suit, suit which I used to, I, I remember back in the days, I used to have to buy the entire uh, package, mm-hmm. but now I'm so mm-hmm. glad they're doing subscriptions because, uh, yeah. you know. You can, it's, it's still pick <laughs> and choose, isn't it? They have kind of bundles and... Uh... Yeah, 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 you can definitely, you can make yeah. it more like design focus, more like photography focus, I guess. For me, Sketch is the one to go. I, I don't mm. ask a lot. I just have that one thing to go and, and I'm doing everything with it. Um, InVision is another one that I use, which is just a quickly... Uh, you can actually do your uh, prototypes, like um, click through prototypes with, with your Sketch tool. Yeah. That is within the Sketch program. And then you yeah. can actually export it with InVision too. So there's, mm. uh, there's various ways that you can actually get your screens to move <laughs> and yeah i remember yeah. i remember one tool uh, i think it was called wiremock or something mm-hmm. so like uh it was wireframing with interaction um so you had like these it, it, it's essentially really just black and white and you could draw like this is a window this is a button um and then the basic input types or uh, input fields you can think of like a normal text field uh multi-selection all these things and then you could click and uh, then you could have like different um, or easy 
really really uh, simple easy is the wrong word simple kind of um div, uh, it's not not diversion but uh, essentially uh, clicking depending on what button you click you end up on another frame of it and things like that yeah, but it yeah. was really really simple i'm not and, sure uh, i'm not sure because i haven't used it personally but i'm, I'm yeah. i definitely trust you on that i just think um why some of my colleagues or just people in my field try to use not too many tools you you have mm -hmm. to kind of stick to the one that you're more comfortable with um some you know some people have been using um what is the tool called now <laughs> axur <laughs> axur is kind of very heavy especially if you work on um, a really complex project um mm -hmm. like I was working on this um, B2B data visualization tool, which was crazy. It was for um, like how supermarkets deal with the stock of their uh, of their products, how many people mm. per hour, how many people per region. It's like loads of like really, really um, straight to the point kind of data that we needed to create. And that was that needed required a very heavy work on UI, on, on the wireframe. And Axure was the one that was I had to use. But it was so heavy. It was just, it would crash a lot. I don't know now. Mm. I don't use it anymore. But back then mm. it was just driving me insane. Um, it it was just very kind of corporate look and feel, user interface. Yeah. And it's yes. like the old, the old windows that you would use back in the days, that type of mm -hmm. interface. That I, I was hating it personally. So ob obviously bought by a manager for a techie. Or yeah. For, it, for a specialist, and, and yeah. That thing, like some of the managers were had very little understanding on design and um mm. that's why sometimes project wouldn't just kind of go forward the right way they should be going forward i think a manager of of a team should definitely have a large understanding and vision about what design does and where it goes and how you can tackle design problems how can you solve little from little to very complex issues yeah. Um, well, or at least be open-minded and yeah. enable the team. This is what, what he or she is for, right? Yeah, um, like, okay, if you don't have much of a design understanding, um, you definitely have to be the type of person that you trust your team. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's another topic I just jumped on. Oh, so yes, it is. Oh, forgive yes. me. Um, so b before we leave the, the, the tool sections, and I'm not trying to troll, uh, it's, it's, it's a genuine question, <laughs> is yeah. I know that for uh, different reasons, you do use Mac and you do use PC. Yeah, sure. Um, when, you, when you look at it, um, I know back when I started uh, my career, which was early 2000, um, all the design work was essentially done on Macs. It was like, if you have a designer, it, he, he or she was always using a Mac. Yeah, did it was this, a stereotype. Did... <laughs> yeah, welcome, I know. Uh, no, but it's, uh, I think it was down to, the, um, because most of them used Adobe and the best support for Adobe was Mac back then because True. they had a their own hardware platform which was optimized for this kind of stuff, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Or at least they, they positioned themselves this way let's put it this way if you look at it nowadays i mean we have 2020 um apple is using normal pc hardware in their uh, machines so did this change is it still the case that most of them use macs do you think you can do the work on on all the platforms i mean i, I know about uh, i know a couple of, of 
good uh, open source tools working even on Linux. But yeah, so what what, what is your what is your uh, perception? So how do you see it? I think still the the large majority of people of designers are definitely on Mac because, mm-hmm. like for an instance, I use Sketch, which is, which is only a tool and please. Let me double check, but I don't think it's available on PC right now, and it hasn't been I for think everything. It is, I think it's Mac only. Yeah. Yeah. So t- this type of tool, which is largely used by designers, um, it's only on Mac, so it makes total sense to use Mac. Mac is kind of light, it's quick, um, it's portable very nicely, it's elegant, it's it's sleek, it's got a lot of like really nice um, attributes for something that you would describe design. So. Mm-hmm. That's why I think people tend to use Mac mostly. Um, mm-hmm. the, like literally the whole experience of Mac is just um, like a lot, a lot simpler than than what uh, Windows, for example. I remember um, I, I'm not switching to PC or Windows in general. I use it for different mm-hmm. purposes. Yeah. Although sometimes I also design, but uh, obviously I use Adobe, Adobe uh, Creative Creative Cloud which is kind mm-hmm. of available for both uh, platforms. And that's a good part because um, on my PC, I have like giant screens and I can sit on a comfortable chair and like do everything <laughs> that is connected. On On my laptop though, I have to kind of get to connect it to the PCs. I need to have the right adapters. This, this is the type of issues that sometimes we forget. And mm-hmm. that's why um, I guess a lot of designers like to be free spirit and then just walk around with with their um, with their design tools like such as sketch and others on their yeah. laptop but um yeah i think it's definitely still very very uh, mac focused um mm. sometimes on pc i just i still design but i personally find mac better in terms of okay. like the experience um how quickly i can get something done with yeah. with a mac um device rather than windows Okay. But then again, you can actually, if you were to do, depends on what type of design you do, because if, mm-hmm. if you're just like a UX UI designer uh, with some micro animation skills, you, you're fine with, with the laptop. But if you want to do some real big kick-ass after, after effects video editing or stuff like that, you definitely need something slightly stronger and, and more sturdy. And that's why my, uh, my PC is kind of, it was... On initially originated as a, a gaming PC, so I kind of I boost up the like the, the memory and, and the performance mm-hmm. and everything is just super amazing. Um, so that's why I kind of use that for animation if I need to do something really nice. As as you just picked on this one, uh, you said uh, that Adobe has this Creative Cloud, how they call it. Um, yeah. I know in the uh, developer scene, it's like there is still a lot of effort going into say online IDE so uh, online coding environments where the only thing you need is a browser they are not quite there yet but they are getting better if I look at things like uh, cloud9 for example but coming back to to your world in the UX UI so designing things mm-hmm. I, I think I read something about that uh, Adobe tries to provide a lot of their functioning or their, their functional components online mm-hmm. uh, how far are they can you do basic work in the uh, say in the cloud so in your browser already or is it still far away from it i mean they have done some work around that i i personally don't do it um i like to have my files on file um on on on, on the drive somewhere and stuff like that but they do there is like companies that purely just work online 
I'm not sure if you're referring about the same thing, but you have actually tools that you can design online, store it online. Someone can pick it up online, edit it. If you allow them to have the right, um, mm. um, um, you know, admin access and stuff like that, this everything just purely online. So this kind of helps that if you're, <laughs> if you're missing or your PC gets crashed or laptop gets stolen, then you can have mm. everything right there. Um, now you can argue about, okay, but um, I design things on my desktop and they, they are kind of going live on, on the cloud as well, so people can pick it up. But this is purely done on browsers, purely done on through, you just need to log in and I kind of, you create there on, on your browser. So mm -hmm. I can see why uh, companies are trying to do that. Um, but you have to also think that sometimes as a designer, you have no access to Wi-Fi or internet. Like yeah. sometimes you're, yeah. I don't know, sitting somewhere remotely and you don't have much signal. So you just want to create. Uh, I mean, you're, you're in the UK, I'm in Germany. So you have the better mobile reception than we have. But uh, yeah, if, yeah. You sit in the if you sit in the train yeah, and try to get I mean. some like, work done. Sometimes you just want to create things and right now I can't definitely answer if those tools can be also used offline. I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. sure because I don't personally yeah, use them. And if mm -hmm. anyone wants to jump and elaborate on this, I'm, I'm happy to kind of <laughs> read it. But if, if there isn't a functionality where you can do things offline, then I understand why people would still tend to use um, desktop, sorry, um, local based uh, yeah. tools like sketch on your desktop or yeah. something like that. I mean, you have you have loads and loads of discussions around there uh, about security, about intellectual property and everything. But um, That's it, the, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the, the thing that went through my head was just when you said like when you do larger animations where you need the calculation power, this is something where the cloud actually helps you because you have like, it's easier to acquire calculation power on demand for a certain time online mm -hmm. than it would be to buy all the components you need, put them into your local computer and then have it calculated on there or, or even by multiple computers, get them connected to each other. Yeah. Um, this is why I was asking how far this is, just out of curiosity, because yeah, this so would be one I, benefit. Personally, what I know of for, for whatever I used so far, they're definitely trying to get there. They're, as you said, there are some complications with maybe securities and, and like stuff like that, but definitely they're trying to get there, uh, especially yeah. for people who can't afford to have a really good PC, a really good mm -hmm. laptop that goes fast and it will take you ages to do. Uh, I personally haven't tested how fast one video is rendered on, on an online tool. Yeah, I, I don't know if that is also dependent on how fast your connection is going and what are you uploading and stuff like that. Ideally but... not, yeah. So I, I mm -hmm. think it's it's more limited to the material you have to upload because usually for normal customer connections, the upload is limited uh, and it's much to, to, less yeah. than... Well, I guess it's one of those, you buy certain packages with how, how much yeah, speed yeah. they allow you or how much storage they allow you and, yeah. and all, all that that usually is just like a normal topic. But um, no I, I think they're trying to go, I think everybody's trying to go forward there. Uh, I think that probably that could be the future, but I don't think... Like right now in 2020, I don't think mm. as I see myself, um, I'm going to completely cut off uh, like local tools on my, on my laptop. Mm. I, I think that's still going to go for a while until, yeah. um, you know, they, they find the proper reason why not to and just keep everything online. Mm. 
So yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how things go. <laughs> so when, when we move away a bit from the tools, uh, not yeah. too far. It's it's one thing I'm always interested in because in development it's it's still although it's 2020 and uh, it is proven that there is a lot of benefit of it, uh, which is so the field of testing essentially mm. is where I want to go to. Is uh, so in, in software development testing is still something where people sometimes need to be kicked towards to, but it is always good to have it. And now with UXUI, I think um, there is a whole other challenge to to fight for when it comes to testing. So how, how does testing work in the UX UI field? Do you see, are there diff, I, I suspect there are different approaches to testing for UX UI. Yeah, you have, you have different approaches depending on what is your need, depending on how fast you need the testing done. Sometimes I've worked in, in <laughs> you're right, actually, a lot of the, a lot of the projects and clients don't, sometimes they feel like they need to skip it and they feel like yeah. they know better. So they just make jump. it cheaper uh, and they can cheat and they just can assume things. Um, you know, you can use different type of tools. You can actually also hire uh, an entire company that there are specific companies that have a database of people uh, with different like oh. backgrounds, different uh, uh, ethnicity background, different um, gender and like all the, all that that are different kind of specifications that are usually you, you send them like a criteria of what you're looking for, what age, what gender, what ethnicity, what, what sort of, just everything that you're interested. Um, mm -hmm. And they kind of go and find you the people. Obviously, that's slightly more expensive. Um, you can do some user testings online. You have some, some great tools there that you can actually um, kind of, you know, you submit your visuals, UIs or your wireframes and you kind of, set some questionnaire and then people can just kind of um it, it's done fairly quick it, it takes mm -hmm. um depending on the volume sometimes it could take uh, a day or two sometime less and and you can kind of get the information um from what you're kind of you see you want to see where you're going you want to see how people yeah. are interacting i always think like okay so Sometimes, sometimes you have to be a little bit more uh, kind of step back out of it and think, is the result that I received what I was hoping? Is it, is it what I was kind of aiming for? Uh, you know, those are the type of questions as a designer you have to, you have to see, um, you have to understand what is the outcome. Sometimes you, it's good to do a couple of user testings in different phases of the project. But it's it's important because kind of that is how can I compare it in the real world? Um, it's it's like a benchmark where you kind of make uh, you touch point with with real life situation mm -hmm. out there. And this, mm -hmm. the, your people out there are your real life. The feedback that you get is very so very useful that y you can you can kind of understand if you're going in the right direction. But sometimes sometimes you have these exceptions where you know we are designers and we do have some sort of a degree of understanding what is right, what is wrong. You know, you have it, you have it in your guts, like you've done mm -hmm, this work mm -hmm. so long that you've tested in the past, you've, yeah. you've seen so many results, you have seen how people have behaved in certain features, for example. Um, and, you know, sometimes what, what happens, there are questions like, what happens if the result of my user testing is so, so off? And I was so convinced that it was going to work that everybody's saying no. 
what do you do after that? You know, this is the type of question that you have to also react on it. And you have mm -hmm. to think, do I take 100%, 100% uh, the word for what the feedback is coming and I just do blindly what that is saying? Or do I, do I investigate a little more? So I stand between that. Um, sometimes, you know, some some designers will say, no, no, uh, it's it's great. The feedback is what people want. Uh, and I will actually question it at times. I sometimes think like, as you can get a result that could be wrong, sometimes you can get a wrong feedback too. So you have to kind of go there and reinvestigate and re-question why. Always question it why, in my eyes. Interesting. Yeah, and then obviously you have different types of feedback. You can invite people over into the office or you create this type of like you are screening. You're, you have like a person like you and I in a room. We are talking and the same. Uh, there is like a camera that is recording with, with a microphone. People on the other hand, they can analyze, they can take notes, they can understand. They see a different perspective. They're outside. They're literally outside of the interview so they kind of see it a little bit more objective rather than being so involved in it. So it's good to mm -hmm. have this this type of different parts playing within the user testing. I like to do user testing, but I'm not, let's say it's not my most favorite part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, okay. it's strange. Everybody talks about, oh, user testing is, is something that it must be done. And I, I agree we do it, but my, my most favorite part is different part of the design process. It's definitely not the user testing because you have to understand a lot about, um, you know, you have to sit down, talk to strangers <laughs> that you've never met before. Okay. You have to kind of, they're nervous. You have to put them in at ease. You have to, uh, make them feel comfortable and you know you have to try and get them through the journey and some people love that some people don't like it so much mm. and yeah i'm in the middle i'm in the middle okay that. fair enough how can i imagine how, how does a, a outcome of this kind of testing look like but because i think you might want to keep this in the archive just in case your, your yeah. client asks you why you made decisions so it could come in terms of uh, like the questioner that i was saying earlier you can have like a, a summary of of uh, how many people have responded within uh, certain ways is it negative is it positive is it uncertain mm -hmm. so all that you can have it in percentages sometimes you're if you do an online testing not always it explains why there is a negative outcome of it or and you mm -hmm. just have to kind of study that you have to study the data and understand why what is what is really happening within this feedback and you have to report it to your um uh, you know people you're working with whether it's colleagues or stakeholders um yeah that's and then you have to record, you have to keep it on a file somewhere. This is your documentation. You you, mm -hmm. you know, you, you have done this job, you have done the specs, you have uh, interviewed people, um, you have, sh they shown interest within this particular part of the journey, they hated this other journey. You have to kind of uh, summarize what really happened. It's like a little review of whenever you go for dinner and you have five meals dinner five meals uh, course meal sorry of course yeah and then you kind of say okay i've loved the first one the second one was so not so good for this reason so it's the same you're kind of reviewing what really came out of that experience nice hey where where, where do we jump in let's Let's go towards the questions around how someone, if he would be interested in getting into design, could could start off. So first, first off, I'm always 
curious because there's still this rumor going around that, for example, if you want to be a developer, you have to be good at math and you need to have a college degree where I just say, <laughs> go away, reality <laughs> looks different. How is it in UX UI? Do you think uh, there's a fair chance for someone who is a self-taught designer to, to be successful? Or is it something where uh, your clients definitely look at your, say, academic background? Uh, in my eyes, if you want to start uh, and learn about design and become a designer, there's nothing that stops you, really. You don't need, in my eyes, you don't need any specific particular documentation to prove people. Um, what really matters is the end result. So if if you're, everybody learns in a different a uh, different pace, right? You you can it could take you a year, it could take you three years, somebody else could take him a couple of months. Um, so what really everything is made of um, step by step process. So if you if you want to learn about design, whether you want to focus in UX or UI, you just have to uh, go and start tackling the first most interesting topics for you. So I don't think anyone who wants to hire a junior designer would ask them for. Uh, um, university degree if you can mm -hmm. prove and showcase in your portfolio and you can create some like you know uh some case stories that you can kind of back it up when when you get interviewed about it uh that's enough in my opinion um how do you start this millions way you can start you can either first of all talk to some real actual designers that have been doing this for a while they can give you some tips and they can give you some um, you know, initial initial topics that you can kind of start learning. There's so many tools online, guys. There's there's an, an immense ocean of tools that you can start learning that there's guides online that can kind of take you through the beginning till the end of a journey. Um, you have online subscriptions and, and tutors and teachers who are doing episodes of um, every single part of the of, of this field so for me really I have been reading a lot on on LinkedIn a lot of people are trying to get into design and, and they're asking and there's so many people saying oh you can't do anything with the general assembly uh, kind of degree or oh you can't just become a, a designer from one day to another um, you know you have to be the right type of person to be a designer in my eyes you you have to have the right um you have to have the right personality the right understanding and mindset and and then if you have that and you really like it you can become uh, a designer by self-taught this is look i became a designer i self-taught myself um i yeah. i have a computer science degree um my intention when I started studying that was to go into cybersecurity. So all that Ooh, crazy, okay. crazy stuff that I, I was watching in the movies and I just wanted to be that at some point. But while I was growing, I've kind of picked up the flair of design and I was so interested that kind of my 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 subconscious was kind of leading me more towards there. And what happened? I started learning how to do things by myself. So first of all, I've learned the tools. I've... Um, um, I started learning tutorials, I started watching videos of how real good designers were doing things, I started learning everything, and then at the end I started, I finally got an interview with a real big client in London when I was 18, uh, no, I was 20, sorry, correction, <laughs> and, um, 
And then that's how everything started. Like I had something in my portfolio. I've worked hard for it because I was simply very interested and passionate about it. And yeah, if if you want to have a degree, if you want to go and uh, in my opinion, you can learn everything online. And that's how I've always done it. Um, but then there's people who don't trust that and they want to go actually to a physical place where they can sit and listen to someone. For me, that is very costly. Um, I see a lot of online tutors that are offering this um, uh, this kind of courses, this UX course, mm-hmm. where you go and, and you spend five, six hundred pounds for for like a couple of days to just be there and for me that's crazy i just don't want to i don't want to support the system where you have to pay for something that is actually free to learn online but yeah again it depends of how somebody if someone wants a a diploma title somewhere they can go through these uh quick schools i would say i don't know how to define them they're like really quick ready go type of thing you know are these these kind of boot camps yeah boot camps and and Not they not all so in my eyes they don't always uh, serve their purpose. They they don't mm-hmm. always necessarily make you what you want to be. I think it's yep. within how you absorb information. It's how you are passionate about something. So mm-hmm. that's why it, just signing online to uh, some of the you know online tools. For example, I used to use Lynda.com. I don't know if it still exists right now. I haven't been. I haven't been studying anything on. It's uh, part of LinkedIn now. It is right. Okay, so it's it's, a, it's, there. it's now called LinkedIn Learning. Uh, yeah, it's, they, and then you know they what? Bought it. Especially yeah. nowadays with all the streaming and podcast channels, there's so much free information. Like guys, you don't need to pay any money to to learn design. You just have to be switched on. You have to like it. You have to have some passion for that. Um, put some time in it because time is something that you know. It's the the one thing that is very much required in pretty yeah, much any field. Yeah, that's the investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, invest you, yourself into the time that you're gonna put into creating and understanding a flow and creating the whole, um, you know, case study. Even if you don't actually have proper project, you can just you know uh, wake up in the morning and say, ah, today I'm gonna create um, I don't know, a food delivery kind of a tool or I'm going to create mm. something that is helping a purpose somewhere and then you start it from and you start practicing it's all about practicing and then maybe what is also good is to kind of keep in touch with somebody who is already a practitioner and does it for profession so just kind of bounce ideas with them and understand mm. you know it's it's good to kind of ask the elderies <laughs> elderly sorry uh in, in the field not in terms of age but in in type of in, in yeah. the field what I mean Yeah, so knowledge is free. Me, nobody should be paying for boot camps. This is just money making machines, and I am against it. I see it on LinkedIn. So many people like you can get my free course for only hundred pounds a day. <laughs> I don't know. It's not a day, but it's like subscriptions based. Mm-hmm. And yeah, definitely, if you want to be a designer, just just. Open up your brain, absorb information, start learning from some good online re- reliable sources. Don't need to pay anything. All you need to be able to win in this world is to showcase what you're made of and what you can actually achieve. So what can you offer one of the clients that are trying to hire you? Well, for the first thing on your interview, you definitely need to showcase that you're passionate about learning because if someone is trying to hire a junior, they know the junior is not going to make the next big thing. 
uh, in the next two weeks. So they want someone that is passionate to grow within the company and then they can give, you know, think out of the box and stuff like that. And the more you go forward, the young people out there are just so much more used to think out of the box as we were, I guess, I was back in the mm-hmm. days because I had restricted information and yeah, so I think that's a good answer. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It I like is. my own answer. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's pretty close to what you should do when you start coding, right? Um, yeah, you I don't so. have to go anywhere. And I don't like boot camps uh, promising you like uh, in six no. weeks, you will get a job at Google. And it's like, yeah, great. Well done. But you still can't really code. It's like, uh, start from somewhere. The information is out there. And ideally, you showcase. For developers, showcasing for me is still best done on GitHub, for example. Yeah. So what, what, are, what are examples where you should put your showcases on for a designer oh that's a great question you know there is as i said earlier information it's free you have mm-hmm. so much free platforms that allow you to have a profile you have dribble dribble is a perfect small cute tool where you can just uh, upload uh, a couple of like uh, snaps of, of a project that you can talk about or you have Behance, Behance is great you have uh, you can create an entire portfolio there actually my first portfolio was on Behance I'm just thinking about it now it's kind of outdated if anyone wants to check it please don't don't judge it um, but but yeah you have loads of tools online that they don't require you to, to pay anything remember mm. you can be a designer without spending a penny I promise you here, you don't need to spend, you have free versions, you have trials of programs and tools if you want to get the hand of it. Uh, You have portfolios and websites that offer free versions, you don't need to be premium. You can reach, if you have the will and the passion, you can go far. You can go far for free. This is all I can say. Great, great words. So let's, let's start wrapping it up. Two things. One thing is that the question everyone has to face at the end or towards the end of the podcast, which is if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? What would you do differently? So I'm torn between don't sell yourself short and kind of trust yourself more and and have more faith in your skills. You know, I would be between those. Mm-hmm. I can quickly explain why I've, I've when I moved to London, I've obviously I had poor English, so um, I've always done the same job. I've always been in the design field, but there are there have been ways there have been moments when uh, I needed money and, and I didn't have great experience. So I took the, the shittiest job ever to like <laughs> to get by and and. I was never praised about it. I was treated like a tool. Um, definitely find ways to work that you have to feel respected. Don't mm-hmm. take yourself for granted because you're very valuable. And you're going to learn it by going forward and by maturing as a, as a professional. You're going to learn that a lot. You have to trust yourself. Uh, seek help. Don't, don't just think that you know everything because you don't. Trust the people who are uh, more advanced in age and, and in the profession that you work around. And definitely try to learn. Just be humble. Literally, that's all. You just have to be humble. And, and Perfect. Yeah. 
I think that's, right. that's yeah. what I would say to myself. And then uh, I know you do loads and loads of things. Um, <laughs> you do Twitch, for example, which I still have to join and watch and learn. And you have to. Sh- uh, you promised me uh, showing me how to do it, so I will oh, take yeah. you up on this one. But sure. uh, if if people want to know more about you, want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Well, obviously, you can get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Milena Lolly, or my Twitch channel is for I stream video content, games, or sometimes I talk to my viewers. Um, it's something that I found really cool last year, and then I kind of I was bored, so I needed to do something with my time. <laughs> and really, that's perfect because especially when you're close at home and you don't speak to many people very often because you either are between contracts or something's happened. That was the best way for me to interact with people. And yeah, my Twitch is milalolly.tv. Uh, I think that's how it is. It's, yeah. yeah. Twitch, I will put it into the show notes yeah, as just, well. It's Twitch TV slash milalolly. I think that's how it is. But definitely we make sure the right link goes there. Yes. Um, yeah, so that that's it. Twitch streaming is pretty fun. Um, I'm going to teach you how whenever you want. Just let me know. (laughs) Will do. Perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much. It was really, really great. Thank you for your time. I hope I can have you on again. I already have a couple of ideas. So yeah, (laughs) you you, you will be bothered by me again. And uh, enjoy the rest of the day and stay healthy. Thank you so much, Helder. Thanks for having me. Take care now. it thank you for listening and tune back in for the next episode have a good one bye bye